welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Jared Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. All right, today we are concluding this series called The Missing Piece. Very personal series to me and to our church. It has had a profound impact in our church already. I got a message this week from a, a woman in our church who uh, has really just had a tough life, has, uh, was abused, molested as a child, abandoned by her parents, and uh, really lived in darkness. And um, she emailed me that and said that in the last two weeks is the first time in two weeks that she, in her entire life, the last two weeks, she has gone to bed in total peace and slept through the night. And um, amen, praise the Lord. The motivation behind this teaching, as I've told you every week, is that myself and many of you at times in our lives, peace has truly been missing in our hearts and minds. Many people are overburdened, overstressed, living in anxiety, panic, depression, darkness, hatred, bitterness has come into their hearts, shame, regret, guilt. And all of it is a burden that we don't have to carry as children of God. I've found that many children of God are frustrated by the fact that they are living that way because they open their Bible or come to church or watch someone on TV, and they hear that, that God is the God of peace. They hear Jesus be called the Prince of Peace. They hear that there is peace from God, peace with God, that peace has been declared on the earth, and yet peace is missing in their life. And so clearly, something is causing us to not live in it. Because if God declared something for us, then why is it missing? Well, I believe it's because we don't have a true understanding of what the peace of God is. We don't understand how to build the peace of God into our lives so that no matter what we are going through, we can have, as Philippians 4 verse 8 says, a peace which surpasses all understanding. And that even in times of pain or trouble, that God's peace will mount up inside of us and guard our hearts and minds. And when the world lives in panic, we live in peace, amen? And this is the reality that God has given to us. When Jesus was born in Luke chapter two, verse 14, the angels of the Lord declared. What did they declare? They said, and now there is peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And I've told you every week that word toward literally means that nothing can remove what God declared. And so God declared peace and that means nothing can change the fact that from God to you today and for the rest of your life is peace and goodwill only. And there's nothing the world can do, nothing you can do, nothing your family can do, nothing politicians can do, nothing the devil can do to change the fact that from your heavenly father to you is peace and goodwill. And there's nothing you can do to change it. That is how you live. So then we must move into a state of understanding what the peace of God is. So when the angels declared, now there is peace on earth, what were they declaring? Well, let's put the definitions back up on the screen so we can see it. Feel free if you haven't been here to take your phones out, take pictures, get it in your phone, post it all over social media. Remind yourself of what the peace of God is. And what is the peace of God? Number one, the peace of God is tranquility for your heart and mind. Tranquility, tranquility, peace, calmness, 
rest in your heart and mind, arising from reconciliation with Jesus. What does it mean to be reconciled? It means that you owe God nothing. The ledger is balanced. The books are balanced. You have no debt to God. Jesus paid the price on the cross. And when he paid the price, he bore the sin and shame of the world. He bore all of it. And so now you live under an open heaven with peace from God. And he took, he took it upon himself to pay the price for darkness, to pay the price to overcome, to pay the price for shame, to pay the price for guilt, to pay the price for regret. He paid the price. He bore the burden so that now you can take the burden of sin, the burden of shame, the burden of regret, the burden of your past, and take that burden off and give it to God and you can live free from the burden of your past. You are not who you used to be. You are a child of the Most High God and you have been given freedom by God to live in peace, tranquility. When that torment comes up from what happened 15, 20 years ago, you say no to the torment and you say yes to the peace of God. Amen? You're not who you used to be. So stop living as if you were. You are a, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Take that burden off your shoulders and leave it in this church today. And walk out of here a new person. You start sleeping at night. You stop panicking. You stop beating yourself up for the, make, the mistakes that happened two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time to let it go. And because you have peace with God, you get to live the second definition, which is you live with a divine sense of favor from God. And what is God's favor? God's favor is his grace, his unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, and his divine empowerment in your life. What it means is that every moment of your life from God to you is favor and favor only. And it also means that he is empowering you to succeed in your life, that nothing can be brought into your life, that his strength won't rise up. His provision won't come for you to be able to overcome whatever obstacle, whatever challenge, whatever mountain is in your path. God's empowerment will meet you in the moment for you to succeed. And because of his favor, it leads you into the third promise of peace. When God declared peace on earth, he declared that you shall live a life of health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity and every kind of good, not sickness, not poverty, not lack, not bad things. God has delivered you from all of that through Jesus Christ. And he declared through Jesus Christ, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. We also know that on the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God, which gives us the fourth definition. And that is that God is not mad at you. Praise the Lord. God isn't mad at you and nothing you can do can change it. Even when I mess up, even when you mess up, God's not mad at you. Thank you, Jesus. And the fifth definition is that he is the God of all blessing. 
So when the Bible says that he opened up the windows of heaven and poured it out onto the earth, you know what he's saying? And poured out his blessing onto the earth, you know what he's saying? He poured out his peace. Poured out his peace. And with his peace comes all his, all 7,000 promises in the New Testament have been declared yes and amen. Why? Because Jesus bore the curse so that you could have favor and that favor produces health welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. And all his blessing comes with it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a great shout of praise. All right, let's get into the new stuff. The title for today is Building a Healthy Soul. Building a Healthy Soul. We'll see here this scripture, 3 John 1, verse 2. I'm going to put it on the screens for you. It says here, Beloved, are you one of the beloved? Come on, talk to me, church. Are you one of the beloved? Yes, you are. If you're a child of God, you are included in this statement. So everything after this means that it is there for you. So what is Jesus saying through John? He says, I pray that you prosper and be in health. Wait, have we seen that somewhere? What was peace? Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. Put it back up, guys. Even as your soul prospers. So your soul, the health of your soul, determines the level of prosperity in your life. I pray that you prosper and be in health. What we could say, I pray that you have peace as your soul prospers, right? What is peace? Health, welfare, prosperity, every kind of good. Pray that you prosper in all things, be in health, even as your soul prosper. So your soul determines the level of peace, the level of prosperity, the level of health that you will have in your life. So what that says to me is I need to build within me a healthy soul, a prosperous soul. Now let's understand that your soul is your responsibility. What did we learn the last two weeks? You must guard your heart and you must discipline your mind. What is your soul? Your soul is the combination of your heart and your mind. Amen? Your soul is who you really are. Your soul is your passions, your beliefs, your convictions. Your soul is your hopes, your dreams, your faith. Your soul is who you really are. You know what I'm saying? It's who you are. That's your soul. It's a combination of your heart and your mind. And we must take control of our souls and to be intentional about building a healthy soul. Because out of a healthy soul comes our peace, our health, our welfare, our prosperity. And where there is health, welfare, and prosperity, there are good things. You know what I'm saying? John 16, verse 33. Let's take a look at what Jesus says about this. These things I have spoken to you, he says, that in me you may have peace. Where is your peace? Where does your peace lie? In Jesus. In me. This is Jesus speaking. In me you may have peace, tranquility, favor. Health, prosperity, good things, all blessing. In Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, 
you will have tribulation. That word tribulation means test, trials, or trouble. In the world, you may have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In the literal text, it says, take heart. Some of it says, have courage. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Let's all understand and agree that life does not come without its bumps and challenges in the road. Am I right? Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, life gets hard. It gets hard. It gets challenging. The road gets difficult. We know that we have an enemy who's trying to rob us of the things and the life that God wants us to live. But let me tell you something. The defining issue of your life should not be what is going on around you. The defining issue of your life needs to be what is going on inside you. Did John said, I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. He did not say, I pray that you prosper and be in health as it goes on your job. He did not say, I pray that you prosper and be in health depending on what's going on in Washington. He did not say, I pray that you prosper and be in health depending on if you slept well that night. He said, I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Now listen, I know some of you have been through some stuff. I mean, there's people in here, man, that the only way you can describe your life is that you've been through hell. And some of you have been through hell, got out of hell, and ended up back in hell. There's some of you, you had horrible parents. Evil was around you. There's people in here, you were beaten, neglected, abused, molested. Some of you have been through awful divorces. You got fired. You failed at business. Things didn't turn out. I can't imagine what some of you have gone through. I know some of it because I talked to a lot of you, but I will never be able to truly understand what's gone on in every person's life. But here's the question. Are you going to overcome what happened to you or are you going to be overcome by it? See, Jesus said, in me you will have peace. In the world there will be trouble, but I have overcome the world. See, we must be completely intentional about what happens within our soul. And we cannot allow a person, persons, or an event rule our soul. Your peace does not lie in what happened to you. Your peace lies in the one who has overcome what happened to you, and his name is Jesus Christ. I will challenge you in the, with this thought. What happens around you is not the most important thing in your life. What happens in you is the most important thing. And the most successful people in life, the most peaceful Christians in life, are the people who in the moment of trouble, in the tribulation, in the darkness, they become completely intentional 
about what is going on on the inside of them. They guard their heart. They discipline their mind. And they determine that no matter what I face, Jesus has given me victory. And I will overcome it. And I will allow the peace of God to rule my heart and mind. I will not be ruled by someone else. See, a lot of people, you live in torment because of what someone did to you 25 years ago. And Jesus is saying it's time to be free from that. It's time to overcome that. Turn to me. You must become intentional. Watch this in Psalm 16, verse 7 through 11. We're going to put it up on the screen for you. The psalmist writes, and he says, my heart also guides me in the night season. Now, isn't that something? The night season, where there's darkness and trouble and tribulation, the night season. And how many of you have been through some night seasons in your life? Do you notice that it doesn't say he guides me through the night? No, it's the season. Because sometimes that darkness can come for a while. That hurt can last a little while. But it says, it will guide me in the night season. And here's why. Look what he says. For I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. See, even in the night season, your heart can have joy and you can rejoice in the Lord. How? If you set the Lord before you. My flesh will rest in hope, a positive expectation. But see, the night season wants you to turn to anxiety. And what is anxiety? A negative expectation. So the anxiety can put you into darkness and keep you in the night season. And if your heart turns to anxiety, it won't guide you through the night season. It'll keep you stuck in the night season. And then it says, for you will not leave my soul dead. And a dead soul is not going to produce life. I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. For you will, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Who will show? The Lord. Because in the night season, your heart turned to the Lord. So there's gladness in your heart. And no corruption will rob you. And you will see the path of life. And the path of life will lead you through the night season. For in your presence there is fullness of joy. Isn't that amazing? Now turn with me to Psalm chapter, Psalm chapter 142. I want to show you an incredible example of this. This is King David. And there is only one way you can describe him in this psalm, and that is he is 100% in a depression. He is in a dark night season. I'll prove it to you. Just watch these words. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my prayer. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. 
In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare before me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I mean, is this guy depressed or what? What does it say? Complaint, trouble, overwhelmed. And then he says, they've set a snare before me. You know what he is? He's paranoid. That's old school way of saying, everybody's out to get me. They've set a snare before me. The whole world's against me. And that's exactly what depression does, right? In the night season, the devil wants you to think that the darkness is the only place you're going to live. Everybody's out to get you. That's what negativity does to your mind. Anxiety does to your mind. It leads you into panic. Am I right? Everybody's against me. Nobody in my family, all the men in my family live like this. And the devil's just trying to get you to believe contrary to what God says about your life. And what does he say? No one cares for my soul. You know what he's saying? I'm all alone in this. And again, that's exactly what depression wants you to believe. You're the, I'm the only one that feels this way. No one cares for me. I can't get out of this darkness. I can't get out of this pain. It was too much that happened to me. And the enemy will have you go. And he'll just let you stay in that if you will allow him to. But you know, I love that song we sang today. I'll tell the devil not today. And not now, not ever again. And then look what happens with David. He says, I cry out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge. What did he say before? My refuge failed me. But now he's doing the right thing. He's turning to God. And he begins to speak to his soul. He says, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I have been brought very low. Deliver me, Lord, from my persecutors, for they are stronger than me. You see what he's saying? They're stronger than me, but you're stronger than them. Bring my soul out of this prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how two verses before this, he says that he's all alone. And now he says the righteous surround me. Where do you run when darkness comes to your life? Do you run from God or do you run to God? Where do you turn in the night season? See, David was depressed. David is in darkness. David is paranoid. David says his soul is gone, that refuge has failed him. But then he turns to Jesus. And he says, you shall deal bountifully with me. The righteous will surround me. Bring my soul out of prison. Where do you run when darkness comes against your life? See, the devil wants you to go be alone. And why is it so often when pain comes, when tragedy strikes, that we tend to get a bunker mentality and we want to go off and hide? We want to go crawl into our beds and cover ourselves up and be alone. 
And that is not what God says. God says, surround yourself with the righteous. That's why when people go through, th through things, I tell them, God, just do whatever you can to get to church. Because at church, there's people that think like you, that believe like you, that it'll encourage you. In church is where you'll meet people that when you fall, they'll come stand by your side and help you get back up. When there's pain, they'll come and comfort your soul. When there's darkness, they'll come and speak light into your life. But it won't happen if you go hide. If you go get in your bunker and think that you're by yourself, that everybody's out to get you. But that's what the enemy wants you to think. That's what depression will say. I'm in this by myself, but you are not in this by yourself. Jesus Christ is with you, and he is your source. He is your supply. He is your deliverer. He is your strength when you are weak. He's your stand-up in your recovery. But where do you turn in the night season? If you set your soul upon the Lord, your, your heart will lead you through the night season. Amen? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Okay, now I'm going to give you the four things to build a healthy soul in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How, how often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. When? Always. In the darkness? In the pain, in the tribulation, in the promotion, no matter what, rejoice in the Lord. So the first thing to build a healthy soul is to rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me tell you what it means. Most of you think it is to be thankful to God. Lord, I love you, I love you. That's rejoicing in the Lord, right? Is that what you think it is? Yeah, you're not gonna raise your hand because you already know it's not. <laughs> I set that up wrong. I should have said if that's what you think before telling you it's not that. What it is, let me give you the definition. Rejoicing in the Lord says this, to find joy in him, to find joy in him, listen, through full submission to him. To find joy in him through full submission to him. So here's the question. Is there an area of your life that's not fully submitted to God? I will tell you right now, if you are living in darkness, if you are living in turmoil, if you are living in pain, there is an area of your life that is not given to God. We must understand and recognize that our peace lies in our submission to the Prince of Peace. At the end of the day, church, there are a lot of amazing things about God. His mercy, his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his provision. But at the end of the day, it all still comes back to you submitting to him and being obedient to him. The simple fact of your relationship with God is that if you want his results, you need to do it his way. 
Some of your marriages are in trouble because you are not submitted to God in your marriage and you are still holding on to bitterness and anger from two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you're tearing each other apart. And you come in here praying for love, joy, peace, and happiness, but there is a condition in your heart that is blocking the peace of God coming into your relationship. But today, you're gonna submit that area to God and you're gonna be free from it. But at the end of the day, it all comes back down to your connection to Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, and all my needs will be met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Acts 17, 28 says that in him we live and move and have our being. My family, never underestimate your personal relationship and connection to the one who has delivered your soul, to the one who paid the price for your strength, to the one who paid the price for your happiness. Never underestimate that the Prince of Peace is living on the inside of you, but are you submitted to him? In the definition, it says that it is a full submission as if like when a king enters a room and the subjects say all hail to the king. Isn't that something? And that is what our lives should be like. All hail to you, Jesus. Lead us, guide us, help us. Verse six. So number one is you fully submit to him. Verse six, it says be anxious for nothing. It also means be troubled, be troubled, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, listen, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through who? Christ Jesus. Let's look at it in the Message Bible. I'm gonna put it on the screen. It says don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, do what? Instead of worrying, do what? So when you fret, when you worry, when trouble comes, when anxiety comes, what should your response be to do? What is it? And then it says how to pray. Let your petitions and your praises shape your worries into prayers. You know prayer is not complicated. Religion is complicated prayer. Religion has made prayer some mundane act, some repetitious thing, some type of punishment. Prayer's not complicated. You know what prayer is? Prayer is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to talk to God, to hear from God, to connect with God. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Would need include worry? Yes. Would need include panic? Yes. Would need include depression? Absolutely. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help for your need and all your needs will be met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How do I pray? Well, let your petitions and your praises define your prayers. Prayer's not complicated. God, I don't know what to do, I need your help. That's a prayer. God, I'm confused, I need your wisdom. That's a prayer. I had a person tell me one time, Jared, I watch how you pray, I can't do that. I'm like, well, you don't have to be like me. I'm a professional at this. 
You don't have to, you don't have to like know 48,000 scriptures to pray. You know, sometimes prayer is literally, God, help. Please. Hello. But then it says, listen, then it says, let your petitions, so that's your worry, and your praises. Ah, there's the key. See, most people think that praising God is just this thing you do in church. Most people think that praise is for God. Praise is not for God. God already knows how great he is. He doesn't need to be reminded by us imperfect, sinful people. God knows how amazing he is. They got a whole book telling us how amazing he is that he wrote. He doesn't need to be reminded. He's all-knowing. He knows how great he is. Praise is for you. Did you know that the Bible says that the same word of praise means strength and restoration? Strength and restoration. Jesus said, I have ordained praise, which means strength or restoration, to still the avenger and quiet the enemy. He also says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Let's make the connection. Wherever, whatever space God inhabits, the enemy cannot inhabit the same space. And whatever space God inhabits, all of who God is manifests within that space. So when you begin to praise God, all of who God is inhabits your life. And it brings you restoration, strength, clarity, renewal, wisdom, creativity, ideas, direction, focus. Happens to you all the time. A lot of you come into church and we begin to praise God and worship God. And all you came in burdened and hurting and tired and exhausted. And 15, 20 minutes later, you feel like you can conquer the world. Many of you come in here confused, not knowing what to do in a situation. And during praising God, you will get the answer. You will get the clarity. Some type of idea will come into your life. Some type of restoration. How many of you, it's happened to you during praise and worship? But listen. You don't need our band to praise God. You can praise God during your prayer. You can praise God at any moment. And listen, it is your on-demand opportunity for God to inhabit your space. And when he inhabits it, he stills the avenger and quiets the enemy. And when the enemy is quiet, so too goes the panic, the darkness, the regret, the shame, because that is not from God. God is the God of peace. All good things from God. And he says, don't fret, don't worry. Instead of worrying, instead of anxiety, pray. And in your prayer, let your needs and your praises define your prayers. This is how I pray. God, I praise you that you are greater than this challenge that is in my life. I praise you that through you I have healing so I will not be sick. I praise you that through you I can have a strong marriage. God, I praise you for my kids and you say that they will have the mind of Christ. So I praise you that their minds 
work sharp. God, I already starting to feel better, you know? Like, I praise you, Lord, that you are my source and my supply. Yes, I am afraid, but God, you are my hedge of protection. You are greater, and greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And God begins to inhabit that praise, and your weakness turns to strength. Your darkness turns to light, and the anxiety, the worry, the pain. But listen, in all things, pray. That's the thing. Right there. But in the night season, where do you turn? You're going to let God inhabit your prayers? How long should I pray? Till you get the answer. Then he says in verse 8, Meditate on these things. Oh, let me read this. Well, well, I didn't even read it. Letting God know. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) Listen, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayer. Watch. Letting God know your concerns, and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together will settle you down. So instead of peace missing, peace is found. And it all comes through rejoicing in the Lord, letting your worries become prayers. That is how your heart can guide you through the night season. Then he says in verse eight, he says, meditate on these things, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are praiseworthy. Huh, praiseworthy. That's something, right? He repeats himself. Here's what happens when you praise God. It takes your mind off the problem and puts your mind on the solution. See, you can focus on your worry or you can focus on your deliverance. Focusing on your worry isn't gonna get you out of worry. It's only gonna produce more anxiety. When you praise God, it reminds you that God is greater. And then he says, meditate on these things, whatsoever things are true. And what is truth? Truth is the word of God. And what does the Bible say about the word of God? It is the truth that will set you what? Free. Free. So church, a lot of people in worry and anxiety, depression, darkness, you know what they want? They want a magic pill. They want Tinkerbell to come. But can I tell you something? God has given you the easiest formula Submit your life to him. In your worry and trouble, pray. Pray all day. Live a life of prayer. And in your prayer, praise God. You don't need our band. Just praise God. Listen to praise and worship in your car. Praise God in your bedroom. Get on your knees and praise God. Instead of crying in the bed, get on your knees before Jesus. Cry out to God instead of crying out to darkness. And then turn to the word. And I don't think there's any mistake that where he says the things to do to overcome it all happen in church. And there are only two places in the Bible that says that God will inhabit space. He says he inhabits your praises, but then he also says he inhabits the church. Where two or more are gathered, I will be in their midst. 
Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to give you an opportunity with our band here to just praise God, to glorify God, to declare your freedom. Please don't leave. The service isn't over. Please don't leave. Stay still. But listen, some of you, I'm going to challenge you to take a step of faith. Some of you are in a night season. You're battling. You're struggling with anxiety, insomnia, hatred, bitterness, depression, darkness. Some of your marriages, you need peace so bad you are on the brink. So I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today. And I'm going to invite you to come down here to the throne, to the altar of God. And many of you will cry, you'll weep, you'll cry out to God. But God's going to inhabit your praises to still the avenger and quiet the enemy. He's going to restore your soul and bring freedom into your heart and mind. And I believe that today will be a new day in your life. And the depression and the darkness is going to turn to freedom and turn to light. And no longer will you have peace missing, you have, will have peace realized. And a sense of God's wholeness will come because you allow Christ to displace your worry. A lot of you husbands and wives, you're going to come down here and for the first time in years, you're going to truly embrace each other and you're going to forgive each other. And you're going to fall back in love with each other going forward. And you're not going to get divorced. No, you're going to be a testimony for God's restoration. So we're going to turn the lights down. We're going to sing a couple songs. And I'm just going to invite you to come down here. You can get on your knees. You can crawl up here. Whatever you need to do, you get before God. And you submit your life to him and allow him to inhabit your praises. If you have no reason to come down here, all the more reason for you to lift your hands up and glorify and praise and honor and worship God. So get out of your seats. Come, come on, come on. Today's your day. Lift your hands towards heaven. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we surrender to you. Your word says rejoice in the Lord always and again you say to rejoice. So right now we submit to you, King. And we say, have your way. Create in us a new soul, a new heart delivered from darkness and brought into the light. Lord, we declare that the Prince of Peace will manifest in our hearts and in our minds. And that health, welfare, prosperity, and good things will rule our lives. God, I believe that depression and anxiety, hatred and bitterness, unforgiveness and racism will be broken off of our lives by the name of Jesus, the name which is above every other name. And we speak now to the enemy. And we declare, devil, that you will not have place in our lives that you will not have rule in our hearts, that you will not rob us from the life that Jesus came to give us. And we declare, not today, devil, and not ever again. We will not live in darkness. We will live in light. We will not be depressed. We will be free by the power of Jesus Christ. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, inhabit our praises. Still the avenger. Quiet the enemy. Renew, renew our souls. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Praise Him. Honor Him. Glorify Him. Submit to Him. Declare your freedom today. Declare your joy today. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Cry out to Him. Honor Him. Praise you, Jesus. Not today, devil. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.